0: Now, maybe you've seen this video online. Maybe someone sent it as a forward to your email inbox or something. But there's a video of a young girl, Todd looks like, sitting at a table with her family. And they've taught her, the family has taught this young girl to say, whatever. And as she's sitting there at the table, they're egging her on and said, say it again. She's like, whatever. And, I mean, she's got the sass, she's got the hands, she's got the eyes, she's got the attitude, and she's, whatever. And as I watched that video, I thought, that's really cute. But give her about ten years. (laughs) Not going to be cute anymore. Those parents, I think, are going to be a little mad at themselves that they taught her that, I think. Whatever. That's going to come in real handy for her later on, right? Well, you know, sometimes we teach our children or we teach each other things unintentionally, maybe by accident or without thinking. But then there are things that we set out to teach our children or we want to teach each other. The Apostle Paul had taught the Philippian church very important things. And as he is writing this letter that we call Philippians, he is hoping, I think, that this letter will continue to teach them more important things. And sometimes, you know, we can look at Philippians or we can look at other letter, letters and think, oh, man, this is, this, is, this is the Bible, the Bible. And there's lessons in here that are just hard, hard to understand, hard to grasp, hard to put our minds around. And to be sure, there are things in here that are kind of difficult that you do have to think about, do have to kind of scratch your head and wonder and pray about and so on. But then every once in a while, there comes a lesson that's pretty straightforward. Pretty easy to wrap your mind around. And if you think about the way, this is Paul beginning to sum up his letter to the Philippians, and the lesson he gives them that we read today is rejoice. Pretty easy to understand, right? Rejoice. And now we understand, we've learned that rejoicing just isn't for Sunday, and so it's so important that Paul, he repeats it. Again, I say, rejoice. Repeat that after me. Rejoice. No, repeat after me. Rejoice. rejoice. One more time. Rejoice. rejoice. Now, that's a word I don't think a lot of us use quite often. It's kind of one of those church words. It's a Sunday word. Almost seems a little lofty, and nobody uses that in normal language. When the Rangers won last night, nobody said, hey, let's rejoice. Rejoice. But they did, maybe. But probably what they said is, let's celebrate, or let's party, or yeah, woo But nobody says rejoice a lot. Now, I'm going to confess to you that maybe this is reading too much. It probably is reading too much into this very simple English word. But when I hear rejoice, I think of other words. Other words like reuse or redo or regenerate and when you have that re in front of it i get the uh, the impression that there was something that we've done before and now it's time to re it do it again so if we've reused something we've already used it once and now we're going to use it again if something is regenerated means it's been generated before but now we're going to generate it again if something is repeated, it's been repeated once. Just kidding. <laughs> Took y'all a second, but okay. But that there was something there that we've done, and now we're going to do it again. So many of us, I think, have known joy—not joy a joy person, but this joy that we talk about in Scripture. Re. Joys. We've known joy. When we first came to know the love of God, we rejoiced in that. We had joy in that. Perhaps maybe when our children were born, there was joy we had or, or something that happened to us that we knew God's hand was in there. There was joy in that. But somewhere down the line, amidst everything else that's going on in our life, It's there all the turmoil we've had to deal with, everything we've had to put up with. Somewhere, somebody or something tried to take our joy. Maybe our joy has been clouded and our joy seems very distant, very far away, if not lost altogether. Rejoice. Paul says. Now, I think we can make up a whole list of things that we could say, you know what, Pastor John, I think boy, it was it was this moment or it was this circumstance that took my joy away. We could probably come up with a whole long list of things. But for Paul, Paul seems to be focusing on this idea of worrying, this theme of worry. Now, apparently, in his experience, either with the Philippians or with other people, certainly nobody like us. Worry has been a big deal. Maybe we would never worry. Right. So right now we're just going to talk about other people, not us. OK. Maybe in his experience, he has seen how worry can hurt people. And we think about that word rejoice and we think about his idea of worry to rejoice simply means to be happy. So you might say Paul says rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And then he says don't worry about anything. You kind of wonder if, if, if maybe he was singing in his mind, "Don't worry, be happy." <laughs> maybe it's right there. Don't worry, be happy. Now, I think we need to understand what we mean by the word "worry." Sometimes we are worried, or we are concerned about someone. Someone in our life or something going on in our life. I don't think that's what we would classify as worry. Some of your translations, if you brought different Bibles or, or know this verse from a different translation, Paul's words translate into be anxious about nothing. See, being concerned about someone else's well-being or being uh, uh, Mindful of how someone else is suffering. That's not worrying. The chapter before where we read, Paul talks about people who have sort of strayed from the faith community. And he says that he is writing in tears for them. Do you think he's not concerned for them? Of course he is. Paul says, be anxious for nothing or do not worry about anything. And what we know about worry also is that worrying is for everyone. I've had men tell me before that, well, at least when we talk about worry, the men can step out because men don't worry. Maybe they act like they don't. But all of us worry. Now, maybe we don't worry exactly about the same things as our female counterparts do. Maybe we don't worry in the same ways. Maybe our expression of worry isn't the same. But friends, come on. We all have things that we worry about. Some of us worry whether this check is going to pay all the bills coming up. Some of us worry about our relationships with our children. Have they really learned from us what we've wanted them to? Some of us worry about the welfare of our children. Some of us worry about our relationships with our spouses and other people in our family. We all have things that we can worry about. And those are very legitimate concerns, by the way. It's okay to have concern for your children. Hello? It's okay to have concerns for other people. Paul did. That's why he was in tears over those people. But we realize also that worry seems to take on a life of its own, doesn't it? I'm oh, sorry, you guys don't know. We're talking about other people. But worry, at least I hear from other people, Seems to take on a life of its own. And it's when we worry and worry and life, excuse me, and and worry just kind of gets you and grabs hold of you, we realize how creative we are. Here, so many people say, oh, these creative types. I'm not a creative person. I wish I could be creative. It's kind of cool. But then worry gets a hold of me. You know what they do? You know, they're worrying about It's one little situation or something, right? And then they start worrying. Man. Now this is going to happen. And when that happens, she's going to say this, and he's going to do that, and he's going to want to do this, and then I'm going to have to do this, and then we're going to have to be here. Oh, wait a minute. No, no. Now this is going to happen, and now they're going to be upset, and then we're going to have to. You start worrying. You find out how creative you are. You You should write this stuff down and try to sell it to a network. Make some money out of it, friends, because it's really good stuff. But it's not doing you any. Y'all with me? Do Not worry about anything, Paul says. These, these creative adventures and worry do nothing for us except make us sick to our stomach, give us headaches, keep us up at night, change our attitude, change the way we think about other people, change the way we feel about even ourselves. Things are not doing anything for us. And you know what's worse about being in that kind of situation is, you know, you're kind of feeling. Uh, somebody comes along and says, hey, rejoice anyway. Like Paul. Paul says rejoice. You want to think to yourself, well, who is he to tell me to rejoice? He doesn't know what I'm going through. Wait a minute. This is Paul. Writing from prison. Not some fancy three meals a day prison either. We're talking ancient times prison. Paul has had people turn on him. He has had people reject him. He has had people spit on him, yell at him, kick him, beat him, leave him for dead, want to try to kill him, and yet he still has this nerve to tell us to... Rejoice. Either this man is crazy, or he has learned something very important he wants to teach us. Might be a little bit of both, but I think there's more of something that we can learn from his words to tell us rejoice. Realize what he what he is not saying. When Paul says rejoice and he says do not worry, I don't hear Paul saying, Hey, Get over it. Is that what Paul's saying? Don't, don't worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. There's two words there that Paul uses, and one sort of just means this idea of sort, almost like a wish list. I need this, and I have to get this done, and I need you to have this taken care of, and so on and so forth. But The other word sort of gives us the impression that or reminds us of who, whom, to whom we are speaking to. That we are giving this sort of wish list, not to a friend, not to just anybody walking down the street, but to somebody who has the power over us to actually make these things happen. That in fact, probably... Part of what Paul is suggesting to us is that we don't we can rejoice. We don't worry because we know by our prayers that we are dependent on God. That it is God who not only hears our prayers, it is God who works in our prayers as well. And that when we pray, when we decide to rejoice. When we decide to not worry. When we decide to. Replace our worry with our prayers that what we are doing is recognizing that we cannot do it alone. We can't do it, period. That we need God's help. In a way, if you're talking about keys to life, key to life of this morning, I think we could say as well, give up. Give up the fear that comes out of your worry. Give up the anxiousness that you have in your worry. Give up the hatred that can begin to develop when you worry and worry and are constantly worrying about someone or something, the resentment that can build up. Give up the anger. Give up the whatever it is. Give up those things that keep you from having what God really wants us to have. Give it up to God and let your requests be made known to God, I think Paul is saying. And then, Paul says, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart. Wouldn't you want to trade worry for peace? You see, worry breaks us down in a lot of ways. But it's God's peace, real peace, wholeness, that brings us up. And, friends, that is what God offers to every single one of us, peace that passes all understanding. But, friends, we've got to be willing to give up. Now, that's a little bit different because when you're outside, at least I was taught, if you give up, you're a quitter. When you give up, you have nothing left. When you give up, you are nothing but a loser. But friends, when we learn to give up to God, none of that is true. When we learn to give up those things that circle around our worry or that come out of our worry, we aren't left with anything. And when anybody tries to tell you otherwise, when they try to remind you, yeah, but, you know what you need to say to them? Whatever. Whatever. You see, we aren't left with nothing when we give up. This is what we are left with. Finally, beloved, Paul says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Seems to imply that these things are kind of laying around. But when that worry gets a hold of us, we can't see them. We can't focus on them until we give up. Whatever. 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 So you're worried about. How are you going to pay? Whatever. You're worried about how you're going to live with your spouse? Whatever. You're worried about how your children are doing? Whatever. Now, that's not whatever, like, whatever, I'm out of here. It's, wait a minute. Even in those circumstances and situations when I feel like there's nothing there, there is something True. There is something honorable. There is something just. There is something pure, pleasing, commendable. There is something excellent in there somewhere. There is something in there worthy of praise. I just have to look for it. Whatever. Say that with me. Whatever. And Paul, I think, closes his letter to the Philippians a very powerful way. And as you and I are closing our sermon series entitled Keys to Life, I think it's a very good way for us to end as well. Considering all the keys of life that we've talked about so far, talking about making our life mean something, our work mean something, talking about making others better than ourselves, and so on, hear these words from Paul. Keep on doing the things That you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. And the God of peace will be with you. Hold on to these keys of life, we might say, and the God of peace will be with you. Would you pray with me? Oh God, we want your peace. We want to be made whole by the power of your spirit. And yet, God, so many times we worry. We hold on to things that only continually break us down. We confess that to you this morning, God, and ask that you would show us what it means to live a life of prayer. To live a life dependent on you. That your peace could reign in our life. God, In this moment, right now, make our heart new so that we can have your peace. In Jesus' name, amen.